after today there will be three stanzas left and we will be done uh, with Psalm 119. We're on the Kof section of the Psalm, verse 145. So this word of our Lord, Psalm 119, verse 145. I cry out with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord. O keeper statutes, I'll cry out to you, save me, and I'll keep your testimonies. I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. My eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness, O Lord. Revive me according to your justice. They draw near who follow after wickedness. They are far from your law. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. Concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you have founded them forever. This is the word of our Lord. Let us pray together. Father, thank you for your word. We pray to bless us from it. Keep us attentive to your word as we consider it. For asking in Jesus' name, amen. As we look at this passage, you are going to say, this sounds familiar. Is the psalmist again in trouble crying out for help the Lord? This is getting a little repetitious. Uh, and that, that can be the impression yet uh, as we go through Psalm 119 and, and was in Nate Park it last two, the week before, whenever it is I went to Nate Park, the week before last, I guess, uh, one of the pastors was there asking me, were you preaching through? I said, I'm preaching through Psalm 119. He said, wow, how do you do that? Because it seems like it's all about the same thing every, every single um, eight verses. And there's truth to that. There's a lot of uh, crying out to the Lord. There's a central theme of the Word of God. There's repetition there, but if you think that, if you think that, man, this is again too repetitious, just remember that the Lord is very patient with us, and He says things over and over and over again, and we tend not to listen to those things. That uh, Again and again, the Lord teaches us things, and we refuse to hear. Uh, there's a story of this pastor who came you know, the first Sunday as the pastor of the church, and he preached this great sermon, and everybody was just super excited. And the second Sunday, he came, and he preached the same sermon as last time. So people are a little shocked, but oh, this was still a great sermon, and so on. The third Sunday comes, and he preaches the same sermon again, and people are starting to wonder what's going on. And the fourth Sunday comes, and he preaches the same sermon again, and then finally people go talking, Pastor, you're preaching the same Sunday every Sunday. And he says, well, you haven't changed yet, so I guess I'll keep you preaching this one. And the Lord does that to us, right? And he keeps on telling us time and again, even though we refuse to hear. So if there is repetition here, it's because we need it. That's the, that's the point of it. That if there is repetition here in Psalm 119, it's because we need to hear what the Lord is telling us so that we we can believe. We are slow to learn. We are slow to believe. We are quick to despair. So the Lord has the, these cries for us to see here in his word. And I want us to see four things in this stanza. I want us to see the cries of the psalmist. If you follow along, there are several times that the word cry is used here. I want us to see the problem that the psalmist is dealing with. I want us to see 
the help that the psalmist finds, and then I want us to see the purpose that the psalmist declares. What well, he declares that because of what you're doing, this is what I'm going to do. He, he purposed himself to do something. So, first, the cries, the cries of the psalmist. Once again, uh, the psalmist is teaching us how to find comfort in trouble. And he points us especially to God's precious word, which is really the theme of Psalm 119, as you know. Psalm 119 is about suffering and the word of God. And as we consider the comfort we get in trouble from God's word, I want us to see the cries that the psalmist lifts up to the Lord. In verse 145, he says, I cry with my whole heart. And so in verse 146, it says, I cry out to you. In verse 147, it says, I cry for help. And here cry is not going, boo-hoo-hoo. It's actually screaming, you know, uh, bringing your words before God with great desperation and urgency. And that's what we see here. We see in the psalmist's prayers, urgency. We see intensity. And this is not a casual prayer that the psalmist is lifting up. He's urgently and desperately calling out for the Lord's help. In verse 146, it says, save me. In 147, he says, help me. He's praying like this because he is in a desperate situation. In verse 150, he says that they are drawing near who follow after wickedness. The enemy is coming close, so he prays to the Lord. So this prayer comes in in the form of a cry a cry for help, a call for salvation, a wholehearted cry before the Lord. And so let me ask you this. Are your prayers, are, are you urgent in times of trouble in your prayers? Are you coming before the Lord crying like this prophet, like the psalmist in your time of trouble? Are you urgent, are you urgent in times of trouble in your prayers? Do you know that even our Lord Jesus himself was urgent in time of trouble in prayer? And he, like the psalmist, lifted up prayers to God in, with cries, in urgent cries. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 says, Who, talking about Christ, in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears, with intense cries and tears. So even our Savior is very intense and very urgent in his prayers in time of prayers. If our Savior in time of trouble, in time of danger, lift up his voice, not, not calmly, but with loud cries and tears, and he was heard, how much more do we need to pray in that way? Brothers and sisters, if our Savior did that, how much more should we Remember William Plummer, I mentioned him this morning, he has a commentary on the Psalms and a commentary on Hebrews and tends to be the same commentary, just in different books of the Bible. But he says this, in talking about this particular passage, he says this, In supplication we must not only call upon God, but continue to call upon God. We must not only pray, but pray without ceasing. We must not only cry with the voice, but with the holy vehemence of the soul. We must not only pray with the heart, but from the whole heart, our attitude must be the attitude of Jacob. I will not let you go until you bless me. Do you remember the story of Jacob uh, in the book of Genesis where he wrestled with God all night and said, that God said, let me go. And Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. That's the kind of cry that we find here in this psalm. The, the urgency, that, uh, the vehemence that this psalmist comes. 
These are good words to remind us that so often our lack of comfort in trouble is because of our lack of urgency in prayer. Again, Plummer asks or says, Your soul would not be so empty of comfort if your mouth were not so empty of prayer. Your soul would not be so empty of comfort if your mouth wasn't so empty of prayer. May these words be an encouragement to us to be urgent, to be persistent, to be desperate, to be vehement in our prayer. So this is the cry of the psalmist. In verse 150, we see the problem that the psalmist face. He says in verse 150, They draw near who follow after wickedness. They are far from your law. So what's the problem? They draw near. Now, who, who are they? Who are these people who are drawing near? Are the persecutors who have evil plans and evil purposes. This is what is driving the urgency of the psalmist's prayer. As believers, especially in times when God's word is not honored, that's our times, we should not be surprised to find ourselves in these kinds of circumstances more and more as the days go darker. Uh, Do not be surprised by this. If the psalmist had to undergo these troubles in Bible times, It should not surprise us to have to undergo these troubles in our times. The wicked are coming. They are pressing. They are coming from every direction. And notice the interesting connection of the words in verse 150. They draw near. And then he says, they are far. Notice that? They draw draw near who follow after wickedness. They are far from your law. The very reason that they are drawing near to persecute him with evil purposes is because they are far from the law of God. The enemy is near because the enemy is far from the word of God. Because they are far from the word of God, they do not honor the word of God, and they engage in evil purpose against God's people. So the more our society goes away from the word of God, the more they're going to draw near us, with evil purposes. There's that correlation between those two. But there is hope. When troubles close, God is closer. Look at how verse 151 begins. So again, verse 150 says, They draw near who follow after wickedness. They are far from your law. You are near, O Lord. The enemies draw near, and the psalmist psalmist is worried. They are... They are far from the word of God. They don't honor God's word. They don't pay attention to God's word. They don't fear the living God. So they draw near to do evil things to the psalmist. But even closer than trouble is God to his people. When danger surrounds us and draws near, our God is even closer than that. Remember how Psalm 23 goes? Yea, though walk... Through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. When trouble is near, God is nearer. And that is the hope which becomes the help and the problem. So let me ask you this. Do you believe that when those who do not love the Lord, those who do not believe his word, draw near you to do harm, they are the ones who really are in trouble? They're the ones who really are in danger because whether they realize it or not, the Lord is nigh unto you. Do you believe that if people are persecuting you, they're the ones that are in danger, not you, because the Lord is near to you uh, to protect you? 
the armies surround. Remember the story of Elijah, Elisha, and his his helper. The armies came and surrounded him, and though, though that army could not see the angel of the Lord that surrounded them all, till the, the the Lord opened the eyes of the servant to see that. And that's the same with us. The angel of the Lord, the angels of the Lord, protect us. They're servant serving spirits to protect those that belong to the Lord. So that's, that's the problem that he had. They were drawing near. And the psalmist found, found help uh, and, and hope in the Lord. In verses 151 and 52, he says, You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. Concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you have founded them forever. Now, he has already lifted up his prayer in verse 149 on the basis of two things. He asked the Lord to hear him because of his covenant faithfulness and to hear him because of God's justice. These, he said, these are wicked people who deny your word. They need to be judged by you. Here in verses 151 and 52, the psalmist gives three more reasons why he hopes in God as his help. The psalmist hopes in God as his help because God is near. We said that in the beginning of 151. So he prays fervently to the God who is near. And that's true of all of us. Our God is near. Secondly, the psalmist hopes in God as his help because God's word is truthful. In verse 151 it says, All your commandments are truth. And the word of God is true because God himself is true. He's not a man that he should lie and therefore his words may be trusted because he can be trusted. We saw that this, this morning. And thirdly, he prays because uh, the psalmist hopes in God as his help because God does not change. In verse 152, 152 he says, Concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you have founded them forever. God's word is unchanging because God is unchanging. Because of that, the psalmist has hope that God is going to help him. And then the purpose of the psalmist. We see in verses 145, 146, and 147 that the psalmist, in gratitude for God's deliverance, declares that he wants to keep God's word and meditate on his promise. In 145, he says, I will keep your statutes. In 146, I will keep your testimonies. 147, I hope in your word. The psalmist is going to devote himself to the study of God's word. And he's going to devote himself to the practice of the word of God. He's going to worship God in, in word and in deed. He's going to keep the statutes, observe the testimonies, hope in the word, meditate on his promises. Now, God's deliverances of, of the psalmist fuels his desire to live as a sacrifice of praise. So his purpose is, I'm going to obey your word because you are my help and my hope in time of trouble as you answer my cry to you, I'm going to purpose to live according to your word. So the psalmist is saying that our response to the Lord's mercy and deliverance in time of trouble must be that we want to live a life as a sacrifice of praise because he has delivered us in time of trouble. And this whole section of the psalm teaches us once again how to find comfort in the midst of danger and how to find hope when we need help, and every believer needs that just about all the time. We all need help. We all need hope just about all the time. So we cry out to the Lord who is near. This section is the words of the psalmist, but it's also our words. We can cry out to the Lord 
knowing that he's going to be our help and our hope, purposing to obey him. Let us pray together. Father, thank you for your word, and we pray that you would penetrate deeply into our hearts, that we might live according to it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.